Welcome to the Ridge Cast, a tool created to have conversations about topics we can't always cover on a Sunday. Our desire is for you to become equipped to follow Jesus and be mobilized to pursue His kingdom. We hope today's dialogue takes you one step further in your discipleship journey. Now here is this week's episode. Hey guys, David here. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rich Cast. Today, you're going to hear a conversation where myself and our church are on a different side of the topic than our guest. And that's okay. And I hope today in this conversation, you can see more than just an explanation of our question, but a way that you can dialogue with other believers who have different viewpoints on certain issues of theology with you. I know in today's episode, there is some technical jargon uh, and some academic language, and there's a lot of church history in the front of the episode, but hang in there. Uh, You can do it. And all of this is going to be really helpful in explaining uh, our topic for today. So thanks for tuning in, guys, on to today's discussion. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the RidgeCast. David here. I'm so excited uh, to be with you guys today. Man, it just seems like the past few days, we have just had some wonderfully warm weather uh, after a cold and rainy winter, and it's just got me feeling in a great, fantastic mood. But I'm even more excited for our conversation uh, today. Um, I've got somebody joining us for the very first time uh, on the podcast, somebody that I've been friends with for a long time. Um, Joining us for the first time here on the RidgeCast is Mr. Aaron Chase. Aaron, how are you doing today? Uh, Doing well, and it's uh, Aaron Day uh, for our amazing (laughs) <laughs> I'm just keeping you on your toes, man. You were ready oh, yeah, right absolutely. off the gate, right out of the gate. Aaron, where are you joining us from today? I am uh, live in studio from the Spurgeon Library in Kansas City, Missouri. Man, all the way from Kansas City. How has the celebrations been since the Super Bowl? Uh, it has been pretty crazy. Uh, actually, the the parade was last week, and uh, but just the the city pride has been overflowing uh, ever ever since the win, even before the win. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a uh, been great to see see how the the city has received the the Super Bowl win. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, well, just a little and then bit. We're hosting the draft in in a couple of weeks too. I think the NFL uh, draft. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Because I I uh, I was actually just hearing something on the radio uh, about that today. Well, just a little Which background. It's going to be on interesting because it. it's going to be in like the teens and twenties, but right, right, and, and hosted outside. Sure. But, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, just a little background on uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron and I became friends uh, back at Liberty University. Uh, that's when where... I was falling asleep in class that you were TAing for. Right, right, right. So Aaron was one of my students. Can you? Can I say that you were a student if I was the if I was the TA? I think so. I, I think th- so. I think it's appropriate. Yeah, I've got an awesome video of. But I got to <laughs> give Aaron credit. He was one of the only students that showed up the class before spring break started. And I think we had like, what, maybe 400 something people, yeah. maybe nearly 500 students in that class. And yeah, there was maybe was like 20 of us in there. Yeah, maybe day. 20, 30 students there. And Aaron was one of them. So and I was just nodding off a little bit before class, not in class, though, thankfully. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, that's when we became friends. Um, but since then, uh, Aaron has earned his uh, bachelor's in religion and music from LU. And then he's gone on to get his MDiv from Midwestern Seminary uh, in 2022, which for you guys that don't know, that's a really serious uh, degree. That's not an easy one to get at all. Uh, and he is there um, currently pursuing his PhD in systematic theology. And he's also a research assistant at the Spurgeon 
Library, not to be confused with the Sturgeon Library, which is not the same thing. (laughs) But yeah, so Aaron, I... uh, I wanted to, to thank you for coming on uh, today, um, making the time to have this conversation. So I, I want to tell you the kind of the um, the genesis of our conversation today or where it began was we ran a poll um, on our uh, Instagram uh, a few weeks back where we were asking folks um, that follow us on Instagram to chime in and, and, and give us their mm-hmm. questions. Hey, what do you want to hear us talk about in the Ridgecast in 2023? And a um, few questions came in, uh, but we had several questions uh, revolving around um, phrases like what is Calvinism and what are Calvinists uh, and who, what does it mean to be reformed? What are, what are, what is that uh, term mean? Um, is that something that we are, uh, you know, where does that begin? And as those questions began to float in, I, I just began to think like, man, um, you're like one of the the first people <laughs> that I thought of that'd be like, it'd be so great to have this conversation uh, with. So well, I appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, as we kind of begin our conversation here, um, I think that would be a, the best the best place to start. So you know, you you see somebody just on the street, or you're just having a casual conversation, someone who has no no background uh, with any of this, and they just say, "Hey, I've I've heard people talk about what this thing, what, what is Calvinism, or people who say they're reformed. What what do they mean by that? What is where do you, where do we begin to understand those terms?" Yeah, so I I would. Um, I would actually go back further than Calvin in church history uh, when talking about reformed anything, reformed theology, the reformed tradition, uh, because what what sparked all of that, what led to to Calvin being able to even develop his uh, his line of thinking that would grow uh, through his disciples, who were the first Calvinists. Uh, you have the event of Martin Luther starting what was called the Protestant Reformation, this uh, rediscovery of God's salvation by grace through faith, um, as opposed to uh, the Roman Catholic Church teaching a, a form of salvation through cooperation with grace, or uh, basically um, say there's a a 10 step flight of steps and you can only make it up four or you can make it up as many as eight and God has, has grace to carry you up the rest. Uh, Whereas Martin Luther in his uh, studying the book of Romans in particular uh, came to this, this old but new awareness that, uh, salvation is something that is only accomplished and accomplishable by God himself through grace because of the work of Christ. Uh, so we have that whole setup of uh, context theologically and historically in Germany, and that Protestant, uh, meaning to, to protest against uh, the, the Church of Rome at the time, this was... Um, a developing idea, uh, and it expanded into um, areas such as France and uh, Switzerland, which is where Calvin is. Calvin is a uh, Frenchman, and he is uh, goes to uh, 
get a, a theology degree because he was able to get a scholarship program and his dad said, oh, if I don't have to pay for school, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and pursue that. And then his dad had a falling out with uh, one of the bishops in their area. And so uh, because of that, he uh, his father said, oh, oh uh, you, you can forget about this religious education. You need to go become a lawyer. Uh, and then Calvin keeps pursuing law uh, despite, dis- or I mean, uh, he keeps pursuing theology uh, after a short uh, stint with studying law um, and ends up writing a, uh, a manual for the Christian life, uh, essentially, uh, in, in this Protestant tradition in a way that no one had uh, before. Um, and it really was more so actually an old way of doing theology, uh, as opposed to what the, the Catholics had done. And, um, that book is called the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Uh, and it is modeled after an old, um, set of documents, the Apostles Creed and the Nicene Creed, uh, which provide the, the basics of what it means to, to believe uh, it's basically what it is uh, Christians believe in in two very memorizable paragraphs. And Calvin writes 600 pages following that uh, and basically answering the question what it is to know God and what it is to know ourselves and how both of those sets of knowledge are necessary for uh, any any growth to be done in this life. Gotcha. Um, so so yeah. what you're saying is, is, um, the term reformed uh, comes from this event in history that we call the yes. Protestant Reformation. Uh, and and the word Protestant, you know, it, it comes from the word protest because mm-hmm. um, this event, by the way, was going on about 500 years ago, roughly, right? Yes. Beginning in the yes. 1500s. Um, and you have a guy named Martin Luther who um, is kind of pushing back against this per, the prevailing religious institution at the time, which was the Catholic Church, which at that time was putting forth um, kind of that, uh, that stair-step theology um, to salvation mm-hmm. through cooperation. But simultaneously, uh, you also have Calvin over in, in uh, France, and I think like northern what is now northern Switzerland, I think the borders have changed in the past yes. 500 uh, years. And also... Uh, he he does spend a lot of his career in in Switzerland proper, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually uh, a, a mutual friend of of Aaron and I's, uh, Randy, um, who you guys have heard in another episode, actually went on a study tour over to uh, Switzerland. Yeah, um, y'all went for the 500th anniversary, right? Yeah, the 500th anniversary of the of the Reformation uh, happening. So I'm we, sure that was just a, a crazy yeah, crazy time. Yeah, all the yeah. tourists lining the streets and whatnot. Sure, I'm sure. sure. Uh, yeah, but just a fantastic uh, trip, just learning more about the heritage uh, of our faith, because really um, all of the denominations um, that we experience in, in America, um, besides, you know, obviously Catholic traditions, uh, really can begin to trace a lot of their history back to the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. So, um, again, the idea, uh, kind of like you're pointing out, I think when you're saying, you know, this was an old way of doing it, it, it Luther and Calvin and then the other reformers, um, we could maybe mention them later. Um, but would you agree, you know, it wasn't really their goal to try to form something brand new, but they were trying to reform, uh, yes, what was absolutely. Which, so. is, which is why we call it the reformation. Yes, absolutely. 
And uh, that that is why I would say uh, there. So you mentioned uh, uh, Catholicism. I, I would say uh, for for better clarification, there specifying Roman Catholicism, sure, as opposed to the the small C Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. uh, which is really what the Reformation was calling the Church back to. Sure. Um, and then the the Church ends up saying no. And and then we have a church split happen right. uh, within the Western Church with the Protestants and the, the Roman Catholic Church. Gotcha. So yeah, so that's going on. That's great clarification. So that's going on 500 years ago. So we find ourselves yes. here 500 years later. So when you hear people say you know the term reformed, or they ask, "Are you reformed?" Mm-hmm. In some sense, and and you can tell me if you have a different opinion on this. Um, in, in sort of like a broad sense, everybody who is a Protestant in some ways is reformed. If you're with, to an extent, yes, yes. If, um, if if all you're meaning is by reformed, you mean my tradition is rooted in the Protestant Reformation that happened yes. in Western Europe 500 years ago. Yep. So in the broadest possible sense, that could be what it means. Yes. Um, but it often isn't. So <laughs> what they mean when they say that. So do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, uh, double click on that or drill down on that for us a little yes. bit. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, once again, kind of using that same sort of, uh, capitalized lowercase, uh, metaphor. So you have that, what I would say is the, the lowercase reformed, uh, which is, as, as you described, uh, just anything sort of stemming from that, that reformation era pushback against Rome, uh, and then you have the the capital R Reformed tradition or Reformed Orthodoxy, as some call it, uh, with um, with Calvin and and Luther sort of at the at the forefront, and then another guy named Zwingli uh, in uh, Zurich uh, as well uh, as sort of uh, what are remembered as the magisterial reformers, and they are uh, sort of the three figureheads of the different streams of the reformed tradition. Um, and they, they have their disagreements uh, largely over how to, how do we understand the Lord's supper, but that's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, to, that's actually like about. one of the craziest things I remember in church history is people mm-hmm. actually literally got violent. Yes. Not like, Hey, let's go out and have like a, like a, like a bar fight in the parking lot. <laughs> over the Lord's supper, it was like, we're going to actually kill you. Yes. So yeah. you're right. That and, is that we should do an episode on that another time, just because yeah. of how wild that is to me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but that being said, if, if we want to narrow this in on, uh, Calvinism or the like street level way of, of when people ask somebody, are you, are you reformed? Uh, usually they are, uh, talking about, they're, they're asking you, how do you think it is that God saves people? Um, and I, I mean, beyond Christ dying for, for your sins, because everyone on any side of this argument says, no, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But what do you mean when you say that? is is what they're getting behind and uh the the system of understanding salvation known as calvinism is one way of 
understanding that. Um, and to, to put it in its historical context, this is actually something that develops after Calvin dies and even after the, the guy who is sort of seen as the, the main opposer to Calvin on this issue, a, a guy named Jacob Arminius, uh, after he dies. And it's both groups of their disciples who are fighting one another. And it's the, the disciples of Arminius develop uh, this uh, basically a five-pointed document saying this is where we disagree with this one Calvinist uh, teacher. And that, that document's called the, the Remonstrance. It just means the response. Um, and then the, uh, the Calvinists in, uh, I th- believe it's in the Netherlands, uh, hold uh, a conference called the Synod of Dort, and they develop a document called the Canons of Dort. Uh, canon with with one in uh, meaning the writings, not the not the uh, not the war device. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and he said uh, Dort, not Dorks. Yes. Yep. Not, not the Synod of uh, Dorks. Although, although uh, lots of lots of Calvinists are both self proclaimed and. Uh, proclaimed by by others to be be dorks right right um all right we're back we had a brief uh technical interruption uh there for a second but we're we're back here um with aaron um and he's talking about um synod of dort i think is where we left off at and uh, yep. we were talking about um kind of the development of this thing um that on a, a popular level here in modernity we call calvinism uh, and i think you were saying it's really an idea that was not developed even by Calvin himself, but was something that yep. was developed by his followers. Uh, and then um, I guess, would you say that it was something that they just attached his name to, um, or mm. was this, or were they picking up on um, following his teachings to a logical conclusion? Um, I might begin to in the weeds for that, but I'm just curious what your thoughts no, no. are. It's uh, no, it's, I, I think, what you said is is absolutely accurate. I think it's it's his followers who are accurately uh, coming to his conclusions and furthering his work, but also summarizing in a in a neat and very teachable way um, these these doctrines that that he saw in scripture uh, and sought to to see uh, use for for discipleship. Um, in some ways that are good in some ways that that as as baptists i i would say are are not good uh okay as as far as like how the how the church relates to the civil government that that is a way that i would say i'm i'm not a calvinist in that in that sense but if you were to ask me how i think it is which is what how how most people describe when they say it if if um if you ask me how i believe god works in salvation in that in that sense, very much I am a Calvinist, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you're even using kind of like, um, if we can go back to even using the term Reformed, uh, mm-hmm. again, you know, we kind of said, you know, in the broadest sense, Reformed can mean this, and you're saying that even yes. the term Calvinist can apply uh, to that way, as you can say, you know, the yes. ways that Calvin thought and wrote, 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 <laughs> wrote about <laughs> uh, various topics uh, in theology and various points of theology, if you mm-hmm. um, subscribe, so to say, to, to his... Um, thinking in that you could consider yourself a Calvinist in that aspect, but yes, um, but in the most common or popular, I would say 
usage mm-hmm. of the word is when we're talking about, um, uh, I guess what we would use in seminary is the term doctrines of, of grace, or I think even a, a more uh, easy to understand way to say it is just how does how does salvation work itself out? Because earlier yes. you gestured to the point of, um, you know, we all agree uh, kind of in principle on, you know, salvation is through faith alone. Um, and then I think it's getting into the, um, I like to use the word mechanics of it, mm. the mechanics of how it works out. Um, yes. Is that a helpful way to think about it? Or do you think, you know, that's, that's on target, off target? Uh, I would, I would say it's on target, uh, especially for one of the points that, that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, and, and then also I, I would say, uh, philosophically as well, just because of how much the doctrine of God, uh, is involved and, and the, the, um, the metaphysics behind that, or just the, our understanding of, of the spiritual nature of, of what's going on. And, um, one way I, I will describe for myself, how I even, uh, just began to embrace it, uh, just how big of, of a God, uh, you see through, uh, understanding, um, as, as you said, un- in understanding the doctrine of the grace, you understand how big and how amazing the God of the Bible is. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's talk about, uh, you know, I guess maybe we'll get just kind of straight into it here, you mm-hmm. know, as, as I think most of the time, when when people are talking about what is Calvinism, they're referring to um, sort of the the five point or fivefold way to yes. understand how salvation works itself out, or um, to use the phrase that I used earlier, the mechanics of mm-hmm. of how all of those things um, unfold. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, I think it'd be great if you could kind of begin to um, unfold kind of those five things. I know that yeah. honestly, we could probably <laughs> chat for you know, hours. You yeah. Know, there could on, probably be a, a podcast devoted to each one of these. Each one. Um, so, um, without, um, undercutting it too much, but to try mm-hmm. to just give it the fairest, uh, summarization in regards yeah. to time, um, how would you begin to kind of unfold those five things? Yeah. And, uh, before we get started as, as helpful as the, the five points are, uh, once again, I want to reiterate historically that this is a response negatively to a negative response towards something that was initially trying to just be a guy teaching the Bible to, to a group of students. Uh, so, uh, I would say from a starting point now, uh, if, if we're considering to do theology, I, I would, uh, want to be a little more introspective from the starting point than rather than saying, I'm going to develop my theology around what I disagree with, with this other group. Um, and rather as Calvin himself did start with the scriptures and then go from there. Uh, but that being said, this yeah, is where we are point. now. Yeah. It's with a great the, point. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that being said though, this is, this is where we are in, in this discussion 500 plus years later. Uh, and so we have, uh, these these five points that have been given most commonly in the acronym of TULIP uh, to us. Uh, so you have the first point being total depravity. 
that's in regards to the doctrine of sin, um, meaning that in uh, when Adam fell, uh, he, as the the representative of humanity, uh, as as Paul describes that that means that when Adam partook of the forbidden fruit, we also in some mysterious way partook in that. Uh, and so in our very nature, we are then tied, our, our nature, our, the essence of who we are is tied against God and the things of God uh, because of that sin. Uh, and so we are totally depraved. Now that does not mean that we are utterly depraved, which is a it's another slight nuance that some people uh, will tend to go and say that humanity is as bad as it can be, um, which is not true because I'd say as we continue to bear the image of God, uh, we we have natural law uh, that that still abides. Uh, we see that in Romans one and uh, other other places in Scripture as well. Um, gotcha. But yeah, our nature saying. is bound uh, to sin, yeah. and so we are a sinful people. But uh, so this is where even in this English formulation of tulip, we actually get out of order of how it was originally formulated, uh, because uh, where where the Calvinists originally started, it was actually with with this you, this unconditional election that God, in His grace, before the foundations of the world as Ephesians 1, as uh, Romans 9, etc., um, other other scriptures, uh, that God in his kind, good uh, graces chose some to save for himself. Uh, and we see this throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, that God is um, making a people. Now, that people is omni-ethnic that from every tribe nation and tongue but it is a people and so in the the calvinistic understanding of of uh that doctrine of uh election uh, that is saying that god has uh, chosen who his people are uh before the foundation of the world not based on anything within them but solely based on his grace and that's that's opposed to the Arminian objection of saying that salvation was based or that election is based on God and his foreknowledge, seeing those who would choose him in the future and saying, oh, if they're going to choose me, I'm going to retroactively choose them in the past. Yeah. Yeah, can be a little, can feel a little trippy if it's the first time yes. that you're that you're kind of trying to think about how all those yes. things ping out. But I'm, I'm tracking with what you're saying. Yes. So uh, one one popular illustration of that would be to say that uh, God here back in pre eternity it looks down towards the corridors of time and and say, um, just think of whenever you were saved and saw that. You were going to to choose him at that point in time, and so he he is back here saying, "Well, David chooses me at such and such a date, such and such place. Therefore, I am going to say 
I pick him first because I'm making that decision before that decision is even made. Um, but the, the, what the Calvinists are saying on the other hand is saying, no, that, that, that decision is made because God chose for that to happen by his grace before there is any idea. God foreknows because he predestined, not the, the other way around. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, moving on, uh, from there to, uh, the, the L in the tulip is limited atonement. Uh, now that, that's a term I, I don't really like in this, uh, formulation. It's not that I don't agree with the content. I don't, uh, I don't agree with that, that packaging of it. What I, I prefer, um, R.C. Sproul's, um, verbiage of particular redemption um so as as with election we see that god chooses a a particular people then christ redeems that particular people um and so uh when when we see that uh christ dies he's dying to save those whom he was sent to die for. And and there's a bunch of uh, scripture in, in regards to this. We have John 10, John 17, uh, passage the, the there is there are sheep of a particular flock, the flock of Christ, who hear his voice and respond to him. Uh, we we see that um and that he will not cast them out. Uh, which teases the the last point a little bit, um, but that if uh, if Jesus's death accomplishes anything, it accomplishes it in full, not in a perhaps or a maybe, um, which is in the the to to kind of broadly brushstroke here the the Arminian position uh, is that Christ died for all people regardless of if they're saved or not, but only those who get the benefit of salvation are those who choose it. Um, whereas in the, the the Calvinists, they narrow it to say, no, Jesus only died for those who uh, who will choose him, and they get the benefit. It's So it's a both and as opposed to a will they, won't they okay. situation. All right, I see what you're saying. And... And so, uh, for that, that, uh, it just in my, in my, for what I've found most edifying out of, out of that point is just that when Christ says he's come to save to the uttermost, that means he's going to accomplish that. The most, think of the most heinous sinner. Pe- people like to put Calvinists against sort of evangelism, uh, which is, is something we could talk about in just a second here. Um, with, with the next point actually, but, uh, no, if, if, if you truly believe that, that Christ is going to save to the uttermost, you would be absolutely encouraged and, and bolstered by the fact that you are going to succeed in your evangelism because of how powerful the blood of Christ is, uh, which leads into the, the next point of irresistible grace. Now, this is, this is one where the, the free will, um, excuse me, the free will discussion comes up a lot of, well, 
do I choose or am I some sort of robot uh, that that God is is moving around or am I am I a piece on a on a divine chessboard, which is the wrong way to to look at it. So as as I as I talked about at the front with total depravity, we we have free choice in so far as and this is another R.C. Sproul summary that I'm I'm stealing uh, because he's. Uh, in glory now, so I can I can take whatever I want of his. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> what a way to package that! Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's my favorite Baptist now too. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that we are we are free in our wills insofar as we choose, we make choices that are in line with who we are, uh, and so as sinners the choices that we make are sinful. And for us to make any sort of heavenward or godly choice, it takes divine intervention in changing our nature, which is to say that we need the Holy Spirit to give us a new heart before we can we could say, I submit my life to Christ as my Lord and Savior. And uh, which is to have the blood of Christ applied to you uh, in in salvation. And so when we say irresistible grace, it is not that we are affectionless automatons that are that are being wound up and just just running until as as God sees fit. Rather, we are we are dead in sin. And then we are made fully alive in Christ. And when the Holy Spirit makes you alive in Christ, there's no going back from that. It it is irresistible because it's been you're you've been given a heart. Uh, you're it's it's no longer dead, uh, which leads into the last point of what is called perseverance of the saints. Uh, what some summarize as once saved always saved uh but i'll I'll nuance that a little bit to say uh one one way that people get off the rails with that is that uh oh i i i walked down the aisle when i was nine and so i can live as hellaciously as as possible i there can be no sanctification there can be no growth as far as me as a follower of jesus and i'm good that is not what is meant by perseverance of the saints. Uh, what is meant by that is that that Jesus meant what he said when he said, um, not one of my sheep will will fall away. I, there, I will in no wise cast out to use an older translation. Um, and that, um, yeah, just that the, though, uh, I mean, it's Romans 7 and Romans 8, sandwiched together is, is what perseverance of the saints is. It's, um, Oh, wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ for there's therefore now no condemnation. And, uh, especially like Romans eight thirty one thirty two, 32, where Paul is listing just all the things that are working against us in this life. And, and he ends it by, by just saying, none of these are, are, nothing can can take us away from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. 
Yeah. Uh, man, thanks for that summarization. I think that's one of the better ones that I've heard given. The, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Given the, uh, given the, the uh, time constraints that we have here, but just, just a quick recap. So, um, you said, you know, the common acronym, um, is TULIP, um, T U L I P. And, uh, each one of those letters stands for kind of a different point in the formula, uh, so to say. Yeah. So the first one, um, would be total depra- depravity, um, which mm-hmm. you kind of nuance is a little different than what some folks call utter, uh, depravity. Um, and then, um, unconditional election, uh, was the second one, um, where you gestured to, that's the idea that God, um, un- unconditionally selects uh, a group yeah. of people, uh, right. Which I'm assuming, yeah. well, I'll, I'll hold off on that for a second. Um, and then uh, L, uh, limited atonement, which you said um, maybe a, a better way to think about that might be particular uh, redemption. Um, if you're trying to think along um, what this camp actually believes and what they actually mm-hmm. think. or, or it, I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to like, yeah. you know, there there is disagreement in this camp, I think, just like there is every other camp. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In Christian history, um, which is okay. Uh, Thankfully, we don't kill each other over it physically anymore. Right, like we used to, the Lord's <laughs> Supper. Uh, <laughs> um, man, I can only imagine how Jesus was like, what are you guys doing? I gave you this meal as a sign of unity, and you're killing each other. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then I, Irresistible Grace, uh, which you gave some great uh, context into necessarily what that means, and then P, uh, Perseverance of the Saints. I've also heard people say, summarize, P is just kind of like the idea of eternal security, um, mm-hmm. meaning that like your your salvation is secure mm-hmm. uh, within within the Lord's hand. It's kind of the idea of like yeah. if you didn't earn your way in, you can't earn your way out. Yeah, uh, is another thing, and then that's kind of the way that the form. Um, I don't want to say the formula ends because I don't know. I guess you said the the kind of the starting point for Calvin was in the U. Um, yeah, but I don't think of it as like a step one, two, three, four, five. Uh, yeah, and, and as, even the the synod of of Dort, if if we were to use the formula, it would be like you looked. Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> the way they historically thought about it. Yeah, gotcha. So you you know you said um, I'm somebody who is in this camp that you that you mm-hmm. subscribe um, to that way of thinking. I would say that uh, I'm not I'm not somebody uh, who's in um, that way of thinking. Although let's just end the call. Yeah, let's just end it right here. Yeah, let's just stop talking. We can't be friends anymore. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. And no, you know, no. I, would I mean, that, that's how the internet would have us behave. But thankfully, Christ is bigger than the internet. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So, um, what would you say um, if you were going to play uh, devil's advocate, so to say, and you were going to you were going to argue against your side? Um, I, I don't even like using the term argue, but it, you know, I, I, I mean that in the strictest academic sense, if you were going to try to yeah. present the other side, what, what would you say is like, uh, this, this is, this is some, uh, some criticism or this is, this is where I would go, uh, to kind of gesture towards whatever the other side, there could be multiple sides. Um, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a, a, a one versus one debate, so to say. Yeah, um, I I would I would probably lean against um, particular redemption uh, if if I, if I were to uh, say 
there's a there's a point that scripturally there is enough warrant for both sides. Um, that that would be uh, that would be one, um, I would say, um, and would. Which, I mean, I would also say that, uh, just to, to argue both sides, I do think that um, you, you do have uh, this, where uh, you have God's general love and, and, and God's particular love uh, for, for the creation as a whole and then for, uh, for his people, and, and you, ha- you want to see those come together uh, and, and so that, that's kind of where I would say that critique, uh, can, can fall apart or conflate, uh, because it, it takes something that, that is different in scripture and, uh, or, or at least distinct in scripture and tries to overly marry it. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just one of those things that, um, I had two thoughts come to to mind when you were talking mm-hmm. the first one was um whether you're talking about calvinism or whether you're talking about um any uh or some other things um that pop up in theology you know we're not necessarily talking about something here that's like verbatim in scripture yeah. in the sense of like um i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think i am you can't just flip open to to romans or to jeremiah or anything like that and you're going to find the tulip for, formulation in scripture Right. Yeah, no, there 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 is no there is no direct T U L I P within scripture, but I where th- this is where like uh, I'm a I'm a studying uh, to be a to be a systematic theologian. And so saying that we are taking scripture as a unified text and saying these are the doctrines that can be summarized uh by by scripture or th- these this is a basic summary of what the, the Bible teaches. Right. Yeah, I get. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I guess what I was just trying to say is I think we um, we just have to be obviously precautionary, um, yes. probably overly precautionary about whenever we're presenting something that's not quite exactly verbatim, although that there are other things in Scripture, um, like mm-hmm. even the Trinity, for example, yeah. that are not um, – quite exactly verbatim that obviously we hold to very strongly. So yes. I think that that was one, the first thing. That That's the, another one that we've, we've uh, killed people over. Right. Right. So unfortunate when you open your church history textbook, yeah. there are some like really beautiful, just brings tears to my eyes reading about like the heritage of our faith. And then there are some yeah. where I'm like, man, what are we doing? And I think about that yeah. in my own life as well. <laughs> so. Yes, um, absolutely. Like uh, Lewis and his, uh, uh, side, side note, just to, to argue for reading church history, uh, Lewis has an uh, excellent introduction to uh, a book by a church father called Athanasius. Uh, the book is called On the Incarnation, about why why did God need to become human uh, to, to save humanity? And uh, the, the introduction is called On the Reading of Old Books, and uh, Lewis has this I mean, as as he does just this very poetic prose in uh, railing against what he calls chronological snobbery, mm-hmm. uh, basically yeah. to say that because we're in in the present, that means that we automatically Are know smarter. things better than our than yeah. our uh, predecessors. 
and uh, that it's it's not that we are smarter or dumber, but that we have uh, certain problems, certain questions that uh, that arise from our time that are different from what what our predecessors uh, faced, and then they ask different questions that we asked, and so both of us have different sets of blind spots. But how can we uh, work together in time? Uh, but that that's a little side yeah. tangent on on church history and and reading things by by dead people absolutely i've I've heard it said if you can't find a good mentor find a dead one uh yes you can do that two books um uh well great well what in your you kind of touched on this a little bit um so far i want to ask what do you think uh are some kind of common um misconceptions uh about um, Calvinism or about reformed uh, thinking, mm-hmm. kind of using that capital R things. What do you think are, are some misconceptions? And then maybe a part two of the questions are what what would you say are maybe some some cautions uh, that you've seen, whether in your studies or just in discussions of, you know, we could be taking some of this maybe too far or, or we could be going yeah. for this in the wrong direction. Yes, uh, I would say that the as, as far as misconceptions go, uh, that automaton, idea uh would be the the biggest one so that that um if if god predestines anything to happen then that automatically means we're we're merely pieces on a chessboard um that would be one um regarding evangelism uh i mentioned uh, there's uh we're in a room within the spurgeon library right now uh that um if we uh if we believe in predestination, that means that we are, um, that we, that we don't need to evangelize that, that God's going to do all the work, but we, what in the reform tradition, the, the phrase is God predestined the end of salvation as well as the means by which that is accomplished, which, uh, Paul says, uh, how can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear if no one's preached to them? Uh, so the preaching of the gospel freely, the response of the redeemed elect, that that is how God has deemed things to work based based on Scripture. And so uh, Spurgeon puts it in, in a funny way uh, that um, if, if God marked the elect uh, by putting a yellow stripe on the back, I'd walk around London ripping up people's shirts. But he he said that they would uh, that he would mark his elect through their their belief in Jesus, and so I'm preaching the gospel for that reason. Um, yeah, can you remind me of the uh, the part yeah. two? Yeah, so I just said you know what um, you know what are your experience kind of like some some common misconceptions, and you kind of just gestured to uh, what you said you feel like is the biggest one, and then kind of the second part is you know, in your research uh, and your reading or even just your conversations, um, mm-hmm. have you come across somewhere where you're like, I feel like we're, we're taking this idea too far um, mm-hmm. or people are taking this concept of, of Calvinism too far, or maybe they're taking it just in the wrong direction. Um, we're, we're getting kind of out of bounds uh, in that, so to say, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it yeah, could no, be, it could, w- the answer could be none. Yeah, no, because I would say if it does go too far, it becomes hyper-Calvinism, which is not Calvinism at all, uh, which is that idea of of God's going to do 
what what he does to such an extent that uh, that we don't need to evangelize uh, or or things like that, um, which I would say is not actual Calvinism. Uh, that that's another doctrine called hyper Calvinism, and those those two things are distinct, uh, but they get they get conflated into one one big jumble in people's minds, and some of that is because of uh, which I would say that that actually. Uh, brings to mind of a, of a way that we, we bring it too far um, often because so, so often uh, people who claim to be Calvinists uh, on the internet or in small churches uh, with people who have read their Bibles for 70 years, but they don't know the, the big word uh, you get, you get these guys who can, who can just be the, the meanest people and, and the most, snobbish of of snobs um which which is to become a pharisee but if if you truly understand what it is that calvinism is teaching and you truly believe it that should be the most humbling experience that you have uh daily uh to to meditate on the the absolute grace of God in knowing how hellacious you were saving you despite that and working in your life so that you can look more like Jesus every day. And you're going to be mean to a 70 year old woman who's been praying for you Wow! for, I, I don't know how long, like, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I just think like, you know, regardless of um, where you land on understanding um, doctrines of grace or even, uh, we also use the word um, soteriology sometimes in seminary, mm-hmm. which is just kind of understanding again. I, again, I like the word mechanics, the mechanics of yep. salvation. Yep. You know, kind of across the board, believers believe that the more you grow to understand God and your relationship to God, the result of that is the fruit of the spirit. And part of the yes. fruit of the spirit is peacefulness, gentleness, and kindness. Yes. Um, so when you, when you grow in your proclivity to uh, a certain understanding of anything and it doesn't result in those things, I think that's a huge precaution as you kind of pointed out. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's honestly a kind of a great, segue into you know i'm gonna be honest with you it's funny because we kind of laughed about it earlier when you said well we should just end this conversation <laughs> when i'm like well i'm not i'm not in that camp and you know our church isn't either and um why why do you think that um it's such a charged thing um mm. that people begin to talk about because i i feel like in my ministry career my academic career that's the way that it felt is it's like you know, you and I are just are having a, a normal conversation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I feel, I'm assuming you feel the same way, um, yeah. you know, and it, but it just seems like whenever you begin to talk about it, it just becomes so charged and, and, yeah. and divisive and then even tribalistic, which is a little bit of kind of what you're gesturing to there. In your opinion, um, why do you think that is? And, you know, that in some ways that may be an unfair question to ask because yeah. I know you can't speak for everyone, but um, just in your opinion, why do you think that is? And then um, maybe uh, we could kind of talk about what we could do about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would uh, say it, it's kind of twofold just with 
Um, I mean, with jerks on both sides, basically, is what what I would say. Um, because you have you have people who who get um, either either prideful or, or bullheaded in in their understanding of of uh, this is this is right, I'm right, etc. Um, and I need to to bring these people along uh, to uh, to to get them on my level rather than than coming from a place of, of humility. Um, and then as far as, uh, so, so that'd be one way of, of going about fixing, uh, the conversation as, as it is. Um, and the, the other, I would say have like broadening the categories of like what it means to be gospel preaching before we have the, this discussion of, of reformed Arminian, Wesleyan, um, Lutheran, etc. Uh, we we need to have this this broader category of of gospel preaching before we get into those nuances, um, which I w- I would say that would start off a lot of conversations a whole lot better, um, and and seeing that we are having conversations among brothers uh, first and foremost before we start. Uh, getting slanderous. Sure, sure. And also, I mean, if we, I mean, like, uh, like we've joked back and forth, uh, both in in text messages and even in this conversation, uh, when we have that understanding that we're brothers, we can joke appropriately and in ways that are edifying or even, uh, it's like, oh, may, maybe, maybe you're you're right there. Maybe I I I need to to check my thinking in, in some of these ways. Uh, because when, when you have that familial foundation, it's, it's a whole lot different than if it's like, Hey, I just met this guy and he's attacking me. Sure. 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 <laughs> this guy just rolled in off the Twitter streets, ready to yeah. challenge me to a gladiator match. Absolutely. Um, or just rolled in off the streets and challenged me to a gladiator <laughs> match in my church lobby. <laughs> yep. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think, uh, so a common thing that, Again, I think I've I've come across um, in my ministry career, and I want to know what your your thoughts are and your opinion is based on this. Is is I've heard people say, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not talking about this from the pulpit, if you're not talking about this from the stage, if you're not presenting mm-hmm. Calvinism, then you're just not preaching the truth, or at mm-hmm. um, minimum, you're preaching an impartial uh, gospel. Um, and I think that, well. <laughs> Let me let me let you answer first before yeah. I get into the second part of my question. Yeah. Um, there, there could be a a way of understanding that where I might agree. Uh, in so far as uh, the the interpretation of, of certain passages in in relation to. Uh, how it is humanity's heart is towards God and what, what God must do in order to, to bring man back to himself. Um, and, and, in wrestling with that from the pulpit, um, if, if you're doing so, I, it would be my hope, uh, that, that, that pulpit work would, would lead in, in a certain way. Uh, but, 
to if if you mean that like you need to you need to preach the tulip directly like verbatim or if you need to to drop the the word calvinism from the pulpit um yeah i would i would very much uh disagree now um if you look which i i would say the 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 church i'm at um does that very well where they would not uh but because uh partially because of how the way that this this discussion goes uh awry so often but uh where the words aren't used but the word uh, the bible is all right we're back again so we're we're two for two on the the technical uh difficulties today but that's that's part of uh um zooming across the world so to say for podcasting Absolutely. so uh, Aaron thanks for your patience but um I, I think honestly a great place uh for us to kind of begin to land uh right here and I think you were kind of already going there um do you think that this is something that the church should divide over like do you think this is something mm. that should come to the point where um we we should be divisive over this and I guess like what's kind of inherent in that is um do we begin to or does someone begin to understand, you know, Calvinism or, or I think there's honestly a variety of topics in mm-hmm. theology you could apply this to. Calvinism just happens yep. to kind of be the black sheep for it. Uh, mm-hmm. So to say to where it's like, you know, this is a, a theory or a compelling argument or, you know, fill in the, fill in the blank there um, for a way that I understand these scriptures and how they work together in a system. Or is this like, this is a factual thing. Um, yeah. that's in there and, and, and this is a difference that makes a difference in the sense mm. of we should divide over it. What's, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. Uh, I would say it, it depends, um, primarily, uh, there, there are certain ways where I think it would divide, uh, for the sake of maintaining health. And there are ways of lovingly be uncomfortable for the sake of health. Um, church membership would be one of those was those things that I would say, um, say I, I moved to a town and, uh, and the only gospel preaching church that is within a reasonable driving distance, say like 30 to 45 minutes away is a small rural Wesleyan church. Well, I need the word preached and I need to, to receive the Lord's supper. So I'm going to join that church and be a part of that, that communion of saints. Um, because I need, I need the church more than I, I need ha- this, this as, as important as this doctrine is to be within a, a local body. Um, now, if it came to planting or ministry, then for the sake of health, it might be a healthy dividing line. Um, for the sake of how uh, this doctrine affects philosophy of ministry, how evangelism is done, how practical things play out uh, in pastoral ministry, there might be some uh, healthy lines to be drawn. Um, and and that's not to say that that fellowship is over, but there, it just might mean that vocationally these there are there are certain ways that these would not do well uh when in 
under the same vocational roof. Right. Yeah. I like the way that you phrase that at the end of that is, is, is the fellowship isn't broken. Um, but we find these things so compelling that in the, in the most practical sense of the meaning is, is it, it kind of seems like we're just, we're rubbing against each other a little too hard to be productive. Yes. Is that kind of in, in layman's terms, kind of what you were trying to say? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Great. And then also say like you have, you have, um, you have pastors on, on different sides of this issue. And, and then all of a sudden the people hear a divided voice from the pulpit. What, what does that do for, for the sheep? Sure. That, yeah. Sure. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a pastoral concern as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even though both, both pastors are preaching that Christ died for sin and, and is, is redeeming the way that that is preached can, can be, uh, can, can have some diversity to it theologically and, and can, can be good or bad for the sheep. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Sure. Man. Well, Aaron, we're nearing the top of the hour here and uh, I got to admit, I'm a little bummed because I got through (laughs) like maybe one fourth of the things that I wanted to to chat with you about here. Um, But we can, we can do it again sometime. Yeah. 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 We would, I'd love to do a a part two, hopefully. Um, But I don't want to overcrowd our, our listeners either. So you're the, you're the Spurgeon uh, expert, but I don't know if Spurgeon actually said this, but people always say that he said the mind cannot absorb what the butt can endure. So don't talk for too long. I don't think he actually said that. He, he insinuated, uh, that yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, um, maybe not. He also, Go ahead. he talks, he, he also has another article that he talks about how it's sinful to be a boring preacher. Uh, gotcha. Too, so. What a guy, what a guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to, don't want to overwhelm, uh, our listeners here, but you've given us such a great uh, place to start, but yeah, I would love to go back and kind of talk more uh, about, I guess maybe the, what's going on um, maybe on my side or the other side and then kind of maybe we can continue to dialogue uh, on yep. that. But uh, man, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy and uh, for coming on and sharing uh, with us, um, you know, so much of what you've learned and researched yep. and uh, uh, thank you so much um, for being, being that brother and in that fellowship. Yep. Uh, on Absolutely. the other side. So something I forgot to mention about your academic profile in the beginning, man, is that you're a country music guy. So you oh, fit yeah. right in with us here in Blue Ridge. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So next time yeah. we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that, but, uh, yes. man, um, thanks so much for joining us, uh, on the cast today. Um, and, uh, we wish you well and looking forward to talk with you soon. So thanks guys for listening to this episode. If there's something else you want us to talk about, remember you can hit us up on social media or shoot us an email at info at the ridge.cc and we'll see you guys next time. We are out. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ridgecast. If this episode was helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. For more information about the Ridge, visit us at the ridge.cc or follow us on social media at the Ridge CC. See you next time.